Welcome to Amplified Marriage. This is episode four. Today we are talking about emotional boundaries. to another episode of Amplified Marriage. My name is Brian. My name is Natalie. So glad that you could join us. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, grab a coffee, grab some tea, have a seat. Today we are going to talk about emotional boundaries Yep. and how every relationship needs to have them. That's right. Some boundaries are visible and some are just felt. Some come into play automatically when you get together with your partner and without any discussion, those can happen. And while some you really need to dis- discuss and decide what those boundaries are. That's right. First Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud or rude, self-seeking. It's not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So the common word there is love, which is our first emotional boundary that we really need to make sure is in place (laughs) and that's like the obvious one like everyone's like what do you need for a relationship to succeed all you need is love (laughs) all you need is love but you also need all those other things that were in the list like patience yeah and do not envy and do not boast it's not proud you need all of those things we don't want to do the rom-com version of what the love boundary is no i don't find that that's an accurate depiction Uh, of what love is so love is the very foundation of marriage and i was as we were prepping and stuff just thinking about our own our own sort of i guess would be considered old school wedding vows and we did we did the typical (laughs) yeah we wanted the traditional wedding vows so like to love your spouse in sickness and in health in good times and in bad for richer or for poor and you know when we said i do we meant it like earnestly. I wanted to write my own, but and I wanted to write a song and play it to like an electric guitar. And she said no. No. I mean, if that's your vibe, then hey, you do you. But <laughs> that, that wasn't my that vibe. That's just that what doesn't I work to for do. us. No, okay. Then. <laughs> Love your spouse at all times. I remember, you know, marriage counselors and. The pre-marriage stuff, be like, love your spouse at all times. We're like, yes, we can. Because when we were dating... Love goggles. Yeah. You really had, well, blinding goggles. Love the goggles. Things, the they things blind that, you. Yeah, love is blind, right? The things that you wouldn't necessarily put up with on a normal basis, you kind of tend to let slide in those dating years, those courting years, or even those early years of marriage, thinking that... It's going to change. Especially when you're young and you're dating. I, I I know that it's different. Just talking with our friends that started or got married late in life, like they're 30, 35, and they found their, the one they wanted to marry. It actually was different. They're like the love goggles. They were a thing, but yeah. it was way different because by that age, they knew what they wanted. They knew what they're looking for. They knew the kind of woman or the kind of man that they were going to tolerate. And it was a Henry Cloud has that saying, you get what you tolerate. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're at that age, you know what you want, what you don't. But when you're young, when we like we were, we were 19. I was 19 when we first started dating. Yeah. I was bad at it. And the whole... <laughs> 
in good times and in bad, had we had sort of a preview of what we would walk through as a married couple, <laughs> you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing where you, you sort of go into it blindly thinking, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, we might have a little bit of financial problems because we were young and really dumb with our money and made some really poor mistakes, but you don't really like, had I, we're paying the stupid tax. Oh, we yeah. paid the stupid tax for quite a, a many years of our financial, early financial decisions. That's right. And it's in the good times and bad. And uh, I wish we would have added. And when our spouse isn't behaving the way that we want them to. What? I was an angel all the time that we were early married. Right. Well, come on. Well, and the the... The thing that you always hear in every kind of relationship uh, is that the, or especially Christian marriages, is the the attitude of submission. Mm-hmm. But the thing about submission is this: is that the the idea of submission is never meant to to allow someone to overstep or to uh, tolerate bad behavior. It's not right. there no. for that. Submission only has meaning in the context of those boundaries, uh, and those boundaries they. Per, promote uh self-control and honesty and faithfulness and those, freedom and freedom in the marriage to yeah. be who you are and so the, the it, there was always this this thing in marriage oh you got to submit and and you know man of the house and all of these things and we're going to get to those type of topics but the idea of submission boundaries work when you two are working in a relationship or together together yeah. and to making things work right that's right and i think healthy boundaries i mean that there uh, I think it's a great example of unconditional love. Right. When you've set boundaries, you've talked about them. Um, and again, like knowing where to draw the line, not on, you know, well, well he didn't say I looked nice today, so he's out of here. It's not that kind of a drawing of, of the line, but of crossing boundaries. And you don't know if you've crossed a boundary, if you haven't communicated what the boundary is. Right. Just like we talked about yeah, before. I don't remember at all talking about ever boundaries. I mean, we talk about like, I don't, I can't even think of an actual boundary that we talked about aside from, you know, being faithful and faithful just in the context at that time of don't not, sleep with someone not else. cheating on each other. But <laughs> yeah. I don't remember sitting down and like really talking about what does loving you look like mm. after sort of the the magical fairy tale of the wedding and the honeymoon is kind of gone and that was a whole thing for us too right and you don't think that it's ever going to go out because why would you th- you know well normally i'm the pessimist but <laughs> i was really optimistic that there wouldn't be a situation where the love would go out that we would really need to set boundaries as far as really loving each other in, the, in, good and the, in bad. the good and the bad yeah. and the financial struggles and, you know, all the the issues and stuff. But, you know, we talked about how many kids we wanted and where we're going to live and the kind of job that and, I want. And those kind of things. But we never really sat down and talked about emotional boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, one of those things that you end up talking about when the situation arises as opposed to having a, a pre-built Hey, we've talked about those kind of things. So yeah, you know some, what you're getting into. Right. And something to revert back to when you need to. Yeah. And like. 
I mean, there's a reason why we scored twenty percent on marriage expectations. <laughs> yeah, we did not do very well. In that. And and the thing is too is that like love, you need to have love in the relationship, and you need to to try yeah. your best to practice unconditional love. Right. There's something that that says that, or in the relationship that um, like when they make a mistake, and you're holding it against them later, that's bad. Yeah. Like, and you now your love is conditional. Well, if you I know what you can do. Yeah. And so you put a condition on their love. And so you're only going to dole out the love that you have for them based on the actions they gave you. And it's not con- unconditional anymore. We need to actively, after, you know, we've been together, we just celebrated our 19th anniversary for a long, long time. And we have to, to, to practice unconditional love. Like we're going to love each other without the conditions, without when, even in their bad behavior, I'm still going to love them. That's you right. may not like them in that That's moment, right. but I'm going to love them. Yeah. And so love, love being the foundation for having good emotional boundaries. What's the next one? Honesty. Honesty helps sustain that trust in the relationship. So it's so crucial. Like, like we can't even, well, in the few that we're discussing today, I don't think like we can label them like this is the most important. I think they're all the most important. Yeah. They're all the most important. Right. Um, so honesty helps to sustain a mutual trust and respect in the relationship. Dishonesty can lead to a host of negative emotions. Right. Insecurity, which, you know, I felt jealousy, mistrust, and disrespect. I think at some point, all of us can say that we've experienced those emotions in regards to honesty. Absolutely. And I'm going to bring this up before she does, is that we... In if you're honest, if you're dishonest in the little areas, yeah, it can create way bigger tensions, way bigger issues um, down the road because you're essentially compounding the dishonesty, and eventually you get to the place no matter what you say, it's wrong. And I I used to be a smoker, and I smoked for a long time. I was a cigarette smoker, then I switched over to cigars, thinking that was going to make some kind of I'll, I'll quit now that I'm smoking more cigars because they're bigger and I can whatever my excuses were. But I came to the place where I actually actively quit. And Natalie tells the story better. Do you want to tell the story? Or well, I-, I was just going to start with that was a very clear um, boundary of like what I would not Because it was discussed and it was decided yeah, that it- I was going to quit. And I agreed to the said boundary. Well, just the fact like smoking was just not... It was a no-no <laughs> as far as I was concerned. But and it was I a made, yes, yes for me. I know, but <laughs> for a long time, and I made it very clear that I wasn't going to be with a smoker. Well, I wasn't smoking when we were dating. All right. And that I wasn't even smoking for a few years after. And then something happened and I started smoking again. And I was a smoker and then I quit. Actually, long before I met Natalie. And then uh, I started smoking again. And so what was mm-hmm. happening is I was quitting. And she would ask me if I was smoking and I would just outright lie. And then, or she would catch me in it and at the beginning, it's like, oh no, I didn't, I didn't smoke. And eventually I just give in and be like, yeah, you're right. I did. I was smoking. I'm sorry. And she always said that if you just tell me you were smoking, it'll be way worse than if I catch you. I couldn't tell the difference between the wrath of telling the lie or the wrath of telling her I was smoking. And this is small in the scheme of things you could be lying about. Yeah. Right. On, on I always, I always like, look, I'm not out there smoking heroin, but knowing that it was so. I was so 
Um, like to me, that was a breach of trust. If you're going to lie about smoking, what else are you lying about? It was a breach of trust because I wasn't telling you the truth about it. No. And it wasn't, I know he says that it was just, you know, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. It wasn't like that at all. (laughs) It was, what? it was months, maybe even years of you denying it because in that very moment that I asked, you weren't obviously smoking in that exact or even, even sometimes even that day but i would stand next to someone that was a smoker and you thought i was smoking yeah and i would i found myself like becoming paranoid because i i knew in my heart you were lying to me and so i would be checking your pockets for receipts or for those pom-pom wrappers those clear yeah pom-pom I wrappers smoked cigars. right and so i would even have evidence and you would still somehow make me feel like I was the crazy one. How could I ever stoop so low as to accuse you? It was just manipulative and it was wrong on your part. Okay, obviously in that moment that I was confronting you, you weren't literally smoking in that moment. But it was it was that whole um, denying it as a whole, even though you knew you were. Yeah. And it was more of the fact that I was just, I kept on lying about it. Mm-hmm. And it took me quite a, a long, long time, time to quit smoking. Like I struggled with it on and off for quite a long time. But eventually I was quit. And even after being quit sometimes for, I think it was like 17 or 18 months, I quit smoking. She, I was with one of my friends that still happened to be a smoker. And <laughs> she thought I was the one smoking. Yeah, because your clothes smelled and my your clothes, hair smelled. It was gross. It, yeah, it was terrible. But it was the... It what that does is it compounds the things in your heart and the trust builds or the distrust, sorry, builds and builds and builds right. and builds and it creates these barriers in your mind that actually stop you from trusting your spouse again. Um, and so it's the little things. I mean, yeah, there's big lies out there too. And, oh, yeah. and but that's know, how it starts. That's how it starts. But the little lies turn into big lies. And eventually you're you're saying bigger and bigger things trying to cover up little ones. And it sounds so cliche. Like your mom right. said this to you when you're going, don't lie. You don't want to be a liar. You know, if you say the little one, you don't want to tell a little white lie because it turns into a big That's one. Right. A lie is a lie. A lie is a lie. And you, you want to be as honest as you possibly can. Right. And that just kind of sets you. It, it just, I don't know, it's a safeguard. It's a safeguard on all fronts because, you know, we're talking about um, emotional affairs or physical affairs. If you're not honest about the little things, if you're dishonest on your taxes or whatever, whatever, like you can justify the pattern. Yeah. Oh, it's just a little thing. Right? Yeah. The next one is uh, being faithful. Uh, being faithful that in, that protects the marriage from external issues, external influences, reassuring the husband or the spouse or the wife about each other's love for each other, but you're... you're Proving your faithfulness is a it literally it's a day to day step by step decision that you make to keep being faithful to your spouse right. or to your partner. I mean, there's that song, Oh be careful little eyes what you see. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so true in this context of faithfulness, of doing everything that I can so that you aren't feeling insecure about your place as my husband. Mm. Um and vice versa. And vice versa, absolutely. Right? You doing everything and if if I've made uh, something aware to you that I'm uncomfortable with, then I'm expecting that because you respect and, and honor me as your wife, that you will make sure that you're doing everything you can so that I don't feel insecure Yeah. as your wife. What was the scripture that you were reading today? Oh, it's not a scripture. It's, oh, this, okay. So back to our old school wedding vows, um, <laughs> or our traditional wedding vows that were really popular back 19 years ago. So the line that says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And so 
I was like, you know, we always hear that, you know, or let no man separate is another, I guess, more modern way of saying that, but means that the marriage is holy and another human being should not break apart the marriage. And so I'm like, what does asunder mean in like normal people words, (laughs) not these old English or whatever. So asunder is an adverb that means to separate into little pieces. And so the, the online definition kind of gave an example. If you tore an ex loves letter asunder, you forcefully ripped it into separate pieces. And so when it's saying, it just kind of was like, whoa, when you're saying that, let no man put asunder, let no one come between you and forcibly rip you apart as a husband and wife, as a union. Right. And even the things that we're talking about, the love and the honesty and the, the, the faithfulness and the things that we're talking about, those all are wrapped up into this one thing. You can tear things asunder by having, by not being faithful. Yeah. And it's, if it trust is, it trust is one thing. Um, faithfulness, honesty, all of those things are, are individually on their own can actually tear the relationship asunder. If that's what we're going to use. Right. And one of the things are, are you allowing any room for anyone else to be in emotional or physical relationship with you that is inappropriate to you and your spouse? That's right. And we'll just, you know, let no man put us under, let no woman put us under, let nothing, um, not a cell phone or that you're married to your cell phone. Let nothing come between your own children. I think I think I've started calling that. Are you having an affair with your phone? Right. <laughs> That'd be a good title. Um, but let nothing forcibly come. Don't allow anything to forcibly separate the union that you have. It's no, not just protect. Be faithful means yeah. you're have a watchful eye and you're being protect. You're protecting it. And I think what you said earlier was really good. If you think the grass is greener on the other side, that is a clear indicator that you need to water your grass. Yeah. Right. How sometimes, you know, when we are looking at, and I forget how many podcasts ago we talked about this, about, uh, sort of looking on someone's Instagram reel and kind of comparing your spouse to what other spouses are doing and how we we show the highlight reels and how that can, if you're in a position in your own relationship where you're lacking emotional support, physical intimacy, just being respected or honored or valued and treasured, it the tendency is to look at what other people are doing and you only see the highlight reels and it looks like, you know, the Joneses down the street, like... Why and, can't you be like that? And I can tell you, Instagram, Instagram are lies. It like, I, I think that everyone is aware of this and you've probably heard this before, mm-hmm. but Instagram is not an indicator of the truth of someone else's situation. That's right. And people have said to us, you know, you're like marriage goals. And it's like, uh, <laughs> please don't say you want a marriage like ours. And it's not that it's not good, but over 19 years, I mean, we have been through some turbulent waters that you would have looked at and said, I don't want to be anything like, right. It'd be like if, if, I mean, if we laid it all out like that, sort of on a timeline, uh, you might change your mind and not want to be like us. Yeah. And, and you don't want to present any opportunity for unfaithfulness for your partner or your spouse. What safeguards do you actually have in place? Mm -hmm. And so faithfulness is such a, a big a big topic, but mm-hmm. it's a decision that you make every single day to continue loving, to continue being honest, mm-hmm. 
to continue trusting your spouse and to move into a place of faithfulness. It is a really day-to-day walk with what, what's happening. That's right. And, you know, like, I won't, just to bring it to a practical place, um, I won't be just giving friends of ours that are men, I won't be driving them by myself. No. Right? Um, you won't be driving just women of any, married or not, alone in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just there's... There's an element of uh, like living above reproach and not allowing it to look differently than it actually is. Yeah. So, you know, if if we have to have counseling meetings with couples, uh, we're together. Yep. It's not me meeting with a man alone or you meeting with a woman alone. Uh, there's none of that. And if, you know, you being a pastor, if there's a situation where you have to have a meeting, then you're bringing in uh, extra people. Yep. If it's, if it's a woman, I always bring in one of our team or I'll call my wife and say, Hey, this person's coming here at 11. Can you come with me? Uh, we have safety glass on our windows. Yeah. She can have access to my phone whenever she wants. No passwords, all nothing, the passwords, all the passwords. She yeah. has access to Instagram, Facebook, all because I want to be above reproach and faithful in my relationship with her. And I have to be transparent you have to be transparent and honest and she has to be trusting and i have to and she's going to trust that i'm not going to do these things but there's a a a level of willingness you have to have to be able to offer those things to your spouse Um, but we built that in because i don't want the relationship to fail and i don't want to have that affair with my phone that broke our relationship that's right and if if you weren't honest here's where honesty comes into play like if I didn't trust you because you just lied all the time or whatever, then mm-hmm. how on earth could I trust you as far as safeguarding your heart against pornography or against, you know, what kinds of movies you're watching or whatever, right? How can I trust that you're not yeah. going elsewhere, right? Communication's key. The One of the, the things that come in from having healthy boundaries like these ones that we've talked about is self-control. It's another one. The key to a healthy relationship is to be able to control your emotions and reactions to situations. Uh, the solution uh, for these things is is self-control rather than controlling your spouse. Exactly. You need to be in control of your actions, your words, your feelings, your emotions, what's happening in your pants. I mean, it sounds crass, but guys, when, when things are happening in your relationship and you feel like you want to maybe do something that you shouldn't or the Instagram is, is calling your name or the pornography is calling your name. Yeah. This is between you and yourself and God and your self-control. And that is going to bust your faithfulness and the trust level more than anything else that you can do. That's right. So because I'm this person, I looked up the definition of self-control. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the ability to control oneself in particular to one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior especially in difficult situations. So mm-hmm. it's easy to have self-control when you're doing good. Like if you're at a salad bar, it's easy to have self-control. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to be eating, uh, you know, pastries and things like that at a salad bar. It's easy to make good choices when what's presented in front of you is healthy. Yeah. Right. And I think it really shows its ugly face in those difficult situations. And it might, it might be real subtle at first. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about um, how sort of self-control applies 
sort of like physical intimacy side. And um, for those of you that have had babies, uh, <laughs> for me, I have two boys and a girl and pregnant with my boys. Let me tell you, there was, I don't know if it was just all the hormones that was raging, but there was absolutely no desire for physical intimacy uh-huh. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so I've had two sons. And so I'm going to l- link that to like 18 months of pregnancy. And um, contrary to all of you college guys out there that probably will never hear this podcast, um, uh, you young college boys that are in school, nothing happens to your man parts when you don't have sex. Exactly. Uh, and so that was, you know, I understood your needs, your physical needs and your desires, except at that point, there was just nothing. I was so exhausted. I was so sick, uh, that the thought of doing anything was just out of the question. Yeah. And I remember when, um, I think we were pregnant of our second son and it was still the kind of same old, like zero drive whatsoever. And you said to me, you're like, you'll make it up when the baby's out. Right. And you just knew that obviously I was not acting like normally. Yeah. Right. Like this was abnormal for our relationship and stuff. But just to put in a context of you could have really, um, use that as a pretty, as as a legitimate, Oh, she's not meeting my needs sexually. So I'm going to go somewhere else. And we, we, and the thing is, is we know of, of couples that, that that's happened to. Or have struggled and have maybe gone into a pornography addiction because of these types of things, and so it was, it was, it, it could have been a really dangerous spot had we not discussed it. Oh, that's the key, and, right? And we talked about like I would love to meet your needs in this area, but at this point in uh, pregnancy, it's just not going to happen at all. And thankfully, uh, when we were pregnant with our daughter, that wasn't the case. It was a complete opposite, right? But <laughs> again, showing self-control, I mean, that's really admirable on your part for, that's a long time to mm-hmm. sort of be abstinent. But you're in relationship with someone and when things get tough, you like don't those, quit. Yeah, those good times and the bad times. I mean, I couldn't have foretold that that was going to be an issue, right? And that's just, you know, our own personal experience. It you may might, be different. Yeah, it's it may, going to be different for everyone. That's right. And so, like, just to to kind of cap everything off, I said there's there's the four things that we talked about today. One of them is kind of added in there as in trust. You want to learn how to trust your or know how to trust your partner, but yeah. it's love. You want to have love as an actual foundation for your relationship. You want to you want to build that in with them. You want to be honest with them and talk these things through and figure things out. You don't want the 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 honesty to compound on each other. Even there are small things that turn into one really big the thing. dishonesty, you mean, to compound. You don't say, that's right, sorry. You want, yeah. don't want the dishonesty to compound. You want to be faithful and you want to find every way possible to be faithful and not allow anything emotional or physical to get in between you and your spouse and cause anything for you to be unfaithful. That's right. And the last one is, is in all of that, you want to have self-control. If you're having struggles, if you're having relationships, you are in control of your actions. Yes. You're in control of your mouth. Yep. You're in control of what you think, of what you say. You are in control of that. No one else is. There's nothing that she can do or say to you. And even in a healthy relationship that should push you to do anything outside of the norm. That's right. And just before we end, um, you had said like back to the smoking thing, how every decision, like it required a choice. So you thought about wanting a cigarette then that required you to get up off the couch then you took some steps and then you went 
to using my yeah i'm using your analogy um and then you like it was just one choice after another by the time you actually take your first inhale you've had like 14 different choices that's right to get to the place so loving your spouse unconditionally is is a a choice choice, that you're gonna make in your relationship that's right Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or you have an idea that you'd like for us to discuss on the Amplified Marriage Podcast, please reach out and send us an email at amplifiedmarriage at gmail.com. And when you see this, wherever you're watching it from, like, subscribe, share with your friends. We're so glad that you could join us. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Talk to you soon.